Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, with me as always is Chris. And Chris, when last we spoke, the Mets were beginning their series with the Miami Marlins. Um, that series was split, and then they headed into a series in Atlanta against the Braves. And uh, I would say the mood around Mets Twitter was uh, surprisingly bleak, and that's for a Twitter experience that is usually bleak. But people were talking about how the Mets were going to get swept. This was the end of the season. There was a lot of sort of very, very uh, apoplectic just rage at the idea that whenever anyone would say, like, oh, the Mets are going to do well, people would just be like, what are you talking about? It's the Braves. It's Atlanta. And the Mets won two or three in Atlanta. And they're still in first place. And the Braves didn't look impossible to beat. So my question to you is, how right, how, how good does it feel to be right? <laughs> It feels very good, especially under those circumstances. <laughs> the, as you said, the Braves did not look like some juggernaut team, uh, some team that the Mets couldn't match up well against, couldn't couldn't beat. Obviously, they have a lot of games left against each other the rest of the way, but this was as encouraging as it could get. Uh, and I love Luis Guillorme. Uh, they they won a game with Guillorme batting in the cleanup spot. Yes, they did. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, he had a nice series at the plate, too. Um, he did. In that game, he had an RBI from the cleanup spot. So, you know, 
I guess it wasn't the terrible decision I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, when the I mean, lineup it still isn't a good decision, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> when the lineup looks a little more depleted, uh, whether by absence or injury or both, I think it might make sense to have Guillaume hit higher in the order um, as sort of a, a regular thing because he's shown a pretty good ability to get on base. He's still hitting for a high average. Uh, the fact that there's a useful offensive component to his game on top of what he's doing in the field is just such a major bonus. So, uh, yeah, but objectively, they had him batting cleanup, and and they won that game and scored uh, seven runs in it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think the combination of just expecting the worst against the Braves, especially in Atlanta, um, and sort of the recent, I want to say dramatic, uh, is it an appropriate word? Dramatic negativity about the offense was like the perfect storm to uh, expect terrible things to happen uh, for a lot of Mets fans, and I'm glad it didn't turn out that way. And, and look, um, I, I I get the fear. I I just want to say that like I I don't think that anybody is crazy for thinking like oh man, it's probably. Uh... It's probably going to be a tough series against the Braves in Atlanta. They're historically tough in Atlanta, and the team is so hot right now. I, I totally get that. But I think there's a difference between being afraid of something or expressing doubt about something than there is being just, like, unbelievably uh, convinced that there's no way the Mets could win. Be that is what we were seeing, which is a very different story yeah yeah and even with some offensive struggles recently the Mets this morning are still fourth in baseball all of baseball with 4.73 runs scored per game the only teams that are significantly ahead of them if you want to call it that are the Yankees with 5.23 so a full half a run more per game and the Dodgers at 5.08. Giants are right there at 4.78. So I don't know. I don't know how else to put it that this is a team that is scoring runs. Uh, whatever perceived slump or maybe real team wide slump may have existed for some period of time. Um, just objectively, this is still a team that's up there in, in this. Uh, 2022 season when it comes to scoring runs. Yeah, and, and I, I do think that the the lack of scoring runs, I do think it's problematic, and I do think, not because of any particular game or any particular stretch of game, it's just that, like, when you see, for instance, you know, McNeil's on the paternity list right now. He'll be back. This is not a problem that needs to be worried about. For a couple of games, they were without McNeil. Guillaume is more than fine to step up for McNeil for a couple of days. James McCann is not Mike Piazza behind the plate, but Mazika is a downgrade from uh, from McCann. But those are things that you know, injuries happen, uh, babies happen. Apparently, uh, you know that sort of stuff is not any cause for worry. To me, the bigger cause for worry with the Mets' offense is just the relative black hole that the DH spot has been for them. I think if the Mets can address that, then I think the lineup looks incredibly different. I, I think that, that that will 
that will make me feel a lot better about the Mets offense because like in a, in a game, let's not even talk like yesterday's. Let's talk about like over the weekend. You know, when Marte and uh, McCann went down in the game against the Marlins, all of a sudden you're looking at the lineup and you're thinking, well, aside from, you know, whatever it was, the top five people, and, and that's messed up because I think NCRT went into the two-hole when, when Marte came out. But, like, aside from the, the four or five very established hitters, everybody else seemed like either an automatic out or a long shot to get a hit. I know that's not the way it really is, but that's the perception of the, of the bottom of the lineup. But all of a sudden, if you put an, another real bat in there, I think that the fear goes away. Now, to be fair, I don't think the fear has necessarily correlated to performance. I think the Mets, as you said, they're still scoring plenty of runs right now. But I think for a fan base that is used to the team having a uh, that that is used to the team not doing everything it can do in an off season to prepare for success, uh, see the bullpen of twenty twenty, for instance, it becomes just very, very clear that there is something. There is something to be said for getting another bat uh, before the I mean, before the playoff real push happens here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sign me up for that. I'd, I'd love for them to be third or second or first in runs scored per game. And I, <laughs> it's nice to look at it and say, hey, that that could be attainable. Um, first might be tough in, in that particular metric, just because there's a lot of games <laughs> in the books and. The Yankees are a very good team and play half their games with uh, some very easy home run opportunities. Yes. Both, both of those things can be true. Yes, absolutely. Uh, especially because the Yankees this year are just, I mean, we we have not really seen a team offensively this strong in in a while. This is yeah. this is some next level offense in the Yankees right now. Yeah, yeah, no, they they, they have been very good. Uh, we got to talk about them a little bit more when the Subway Series rolls around. Although I don't know, I'm pretty burnt out on it <laughs> at this point. But yeah, it, it, you know, it, it'll be a thing that we uh, talk about in a couple of weeks. Let's briefly talk about the weekend series with the Marlins. You know, it's it's a bit of a bummer that they lost two of the games against a team that they probably should have won at least three. And you and I had talked about it on th- after Thursday night's win. We felt like, all right, now they're in line to win three games. And if you looked at Taiwan Walker's line on Sunday's game, the Mets should have absolutely won that game. And again, it came down to the bullpen blowing it. Do you have any sort of overall thoughts on the on the baseball play between the Marlins and the Mets this weekend? Um, nothing too insightful. (laughs) It it was just one of those things. Uh, It was definitely a letdown because I think going back to before that 10 game stretch started, uh, seven and three was something that I had thrown out on the podcast. And then they came just shy of finishing exactly that. Obviously you're rude for 10 and 0. Six and four is really nothing to, to complain about too, too much, but it was right there. Seven and three would have been really nice, but, um, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna occasionally lose a game. You should win. 
Um, I mean, they, I promise not to talk about the Yankees again after making this comparison, but they lost the game to the Reds the other night. It Sometimes baseball just goes that way, and it's annoying. Uh, but winning the series, if, if I had to choose between three out of four from the Marlins but not winning the series from the Braves. Oh, of uh, course. You know, obviously, I'll take that sequence, uh, even though the number of wins is the same for the Mets in the end. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I guess I don't have anything too crazy about about that series. I'm very glad they won on the Keith Hernandez number retirement day. Um, and it, just on that note, it, and this is not a complaint, it's just a, an observation that it's a little surreal to see him have the ceremony and then hear him in the booth two days later. Uh, working again and you know I'm, I'm thrilled i'm thrilled that his number got retired and that that happened i'm thrilled that he's right back in the booth it's just uh, i don't know sort of uh mind bending when <laughs> when you transition from the, the the star of the show out on the field and then just back to the booth talking about regular season games yeah it, it is a little strange i will i will grant you that um, so I was at the Keith Hernandez game. It was it was great. I had never been to a number of retirement ceremony before. Uh, I, I missed the Kuzman and Piazza ones, and I don't know why I would be at another team's number of retirement ceremony. But it was it was really special, and I felt that everybody there was really appreciative of what Hernandez has done for the team, both like on the uh, on the field and also in the booth. It felt like a real celebration of a player and a, and a, a piece of our franchise that that was really just it was very very much it was very very well done. I, I thought that it was there was something the the video that they that they produced was incredible. It was really really well put together. The people they brought out for the the ceremony with Mookie Wilson and Lynch, uh, Ronnie and Gary, uh, Piazza, Steve Cohen. I thought it was a it was a nice crew of people i thought that there was a certain fun to it but also a certain gravitas to it it was just, it was a really well done event i am not used to the mets doing their doing their history proper and and celebrating their history it's been so long since they have done and I, under the will ponds it just seemed like they had no interest in celebrating their past unless they absolutely had to and this felt like the the, the dawn of a new era in that way it really felt like this is the beginning of them maybe maybe really going for it in terms of celebrating what it means to be a Mets fan and celebrating who the Mets were and are. And I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. Um, and then the way the game ended, I mean, yes, you know, it's always a bummer to watch the Mets blow a couple of leads. But did you see the crazy stat about the end of the game? I did. So I, I, tell me if I'm getting this right. The, it, the last time the Mets came back to win came back to score two runs in the bottom of the ninth in, in the in, it doesn't matter because it's extra innings so came back to win in a walk-off fashion because of an error was the game six of the 86 world series is, is that the correct uh is that the, did i get that all right it's along those lines yeah i forget if it had something to do with uh you know specifically a wild pitch being involved in the inning or, or, you know, right. Right. 
or what, but yeah, uh, along those lines that, that, that specific way of winning hadn't happened since then. And Gary, I didn't notice it in, in the moment, I'll admit, uh, but Gary called it like the end of that game. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Yeah. He, th- he made the call on that winning run scoring, uh, using phrasing that alluded to the, uh, the 86 game. So that was very cool. And of course he somehow was on top of that. <laughs> Not yeah. only did, is he good at actually calling the game, but, um, he's a, good as anybody out there when it comes to contextualizing the Mets. Yes, yes. And, uh, along the lines of him being so good at calling the game, I also want to point out that during uh, Wednesday's game, there was a problem with the video feed for a while, and so there was just an SNY, like a static SNY logo, and Gary and, and Keith called the game like radio for a couple of minutes, and Keith had no idea what to do, <laughs> and Gary instantly slid back into Radio Gary mode. I could not believe how fast he slid back into that. Um, it was it was pretty impressive to watch just how his brain went back to something he hasn't done in almost 20 years. Right, yeah, and on the baseball side. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> for sure. And <laughs> the funny part of all that to me was in the middle of it, he said, Keith, you know, you're still allowed to talk. Yeah, and exactly. Keith was just like, ah, uh, <laughs> like, just didn't know what to say. And it's funny because when you listen, it, there's definitely a difference. <clears throat> but when you listen to Gary uh, calling a game on TV, he does say a lot in terms of the play-by-play. He, he He's fairly descriptive. Um, you know, I find that if you're cooking dinner or taking care of something else or it's a day game and you're working and you can't really – focus your eyes on the game. You can still listen to Gary and have a very, very good idea of what's going on from, uh, you know, from his play by play on the TV broadcast. Mm-hmm. But, but you're correct. He still shifted into full on radio mode and the audio that was making it through on SMY sounded like it was from the 70s. It did. Yes. Yeah. So it just, uh, <laughs> I, I, Obviously, they're not going to intentionally do that. But if it happened once or twice more, I wouldn't mind. I do think it is the best sport for audio-only experience. Agreed, yes. Um, I have have long wished that there be a a game or a series or even an inning where the TV and radio guys swapped. Yeah. And that would be fun. Because for some people... You know, especially now that I work from home, I almost never get to hear Howie Rose call a Mets game. I'm, just, I'm right. home. I'm home during the games, and uh, so and I'm sure there are people who never get who are always in the car during Mets games, or you know, they're they're uh, they can't watch the games because it's blacked out because of MLB.tv's draconian rules, and so they would love to hear Gary Cohen call a game. So yeah, make that happen, Mets. Let's do that. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So we had mentioned last week the idea of maybe calling up or just the discussion about calling up uh, Francisco Alvarez at some point this season and talking about whether he should be catching or DHing or both, blah, blah, blah. But then this week we have, with the injury to James McCann, a, a need for both a hitter and a catcher. So, Chris, how do you feel about Francisco Alvarez being called up sooner than later? Do you do you have different feelings about that now that McCann is out for a potentially significant amount of time? Yeah, I'd say at this point, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think uh, he's only been in AAA for seven games. He hasn't really hit a lick there yet, but. I don't think you're going to destroy him by giving him that shot. And and we love Patrick Mazika. We love the random walk-offs that he's been involved in. There is a t-shirt with Pat Mazika on it. Uh, but having said that, I don't know, man. I, I think I'd be okay with giving Alvarez a look. And uh, everybody would just need to treat it accordingly. If he, if he looks great, uh, hey, He's 20 years old. He's a catcher, and he made it to the big leagues, and he looks great. Awesome. And if he doesn't, okay, that, that's fine. He's he's still just 20 years old. He can go back to Syracuse, keep working on adjusting to that level uh, of the game. And I, I just think there is some value in getting a taste of what he looks like in the major leagues right now before the trade deadline hits. And really, you only have a couple weeks worth of games, but between the All-Star break and then the Mets schedule, again, they have a stretch coming up like they did um, in late June with a lot of off days. So, uh, uh, you know, the All-Star break happens. That's four days. Presumably, they're not going to call up Alvarez for this Cubs series. So you get to three against the Padres after the break day off, two against the Yankees, day off, and then three against the Marlins, and uh, the deadline is August 2nd, so one against the Nationals, but there's not a whole lot of time there, but I would still be okay with getting a look and uh, trying to see. If you give him that look and he really isn't hitting at the major league level, okay, now you really know that you might want to trade for a catcher, even if it's not Wilson Contreras. Uh, obviously, he is the most appealing option because of his bat. And and there just aren't many catchers you can hit right now. But, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with it from that perspective. Uh, how about you? Any any more or less hesitant to do that? Um, I'm a gambler, Chris. No, I'm, I'm not at all. I'm the most <laughs> risk-averse person I know in the entire world. Uh, I, I, you know... I don't think that the narrative of if you call up a player too soon, it's going to fuck him up forever is necessarily true. I also don't believe in 
calling up anyone who's having a good series in a ball because why not right i i think that there's 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 a lot of wisdom in what you said which is that there's there's a short period of time here where we can attempt to we can bring him up and see if he's showing great promise right now if he's not mets fans just have to chill out and realize he's very young and he may still develop into something more than we're going to see in his first major league go around and that's true if he's called up now or september 1st or next year right like i think that that's that's just the way it is and there's there's nothing that there's nothing he can do one way or the other that will truly cement his his forever status as a met as even if he comes up and lights the world on fire how many one season wonders have there been over baseball history i mean literally the history books are peppered with with players who just did who had one great season. So I don't I don't think that that is necessarily the I don't think either extreme is likely to play out over the course of Alvarez's entire career. I think what you do get though is you get an instant answer to the immediate needs of your team. If he if he's hitting the ball and he's doing halfway decent at catcher, well, that means that you have a lot more options now going into the break, going into the, the trade deadline, rather, in terms of what you're looking for. I also will say that there is a... There is this, I, I think, reluctance to call him up because of um, you know, wanting to to keep him down a little bit longer so, we, so the team can control him a little bit longer in terms of uh, you know service time. And while other teams do that, that's people still thinking like the Wilpons own this team. And I think if he is having, if he is the player that we think he is, I don't think we have to worry about Steve Cohen letting him, uh, letting him walk at a certain point. I think Cohen has, has more than enough money to do the right thing and keep him around. If he is actually, if, if that is what he is, if that is what he is meriting right on the field. So, Long story short, I agree with you. I think I, I think now is the time to bring him up just to see after the break, you know, especially have they given any real timeline on McCann? I know they just said more than a more than a ten day. Right. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think there has been. I mean, you hear Oblique and Max Scherzer is the freak who made it back faster than ever right. expected. But pretty much nobody else comes back faster than <laughs> the normal timeline and, and uh, obviously I would think that injury would affect you no matter what position you play, because pretty much everything involved in the game of baseball involves some kind of twist or torque or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I would be surprised if he's back before, I don't know, September 1st. Yeah. And and so not that I think, I, I think if the Mets add another bat, whether it's Alvarez or otherwise, I think they can survive through the end of the summer with with Nito and Mazika as their catchers. However, they cannot survive. Um, survive is a strong word. I would feel much better about their chances both during the season and especially during the postseason with another bat. So I, I don't think that bringing up Mazika is going. Mazika, my goodness, bringing up Alvarez is going to actually um solve the 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 if if they bring up Alvarez and he is hitting I still think they should go out and get another bat 
but if they if they don't call up Alvarez, that that need is even even greater right now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very fair. And uh, we'll talk more in the coming weeks about other bat targets as well as other bullpen targets because I think those are clearly the two needs for the team. I think they need another bat for that DH spot just because there is there is so little happening from Dom Smith or J.D. Davis right now. I mean, you had the, the occasional flash here and there, but neither has been able to put together any sort of consistency. So that's definitely necessary. But anyway... It is time for our music picks. So, Chris, what is your pick for this week? So, uh, I'm going to tie together this past weekend and a somewhat related to uh, Mets history note, only because it was recorded in 1969, the year of the Mets' first World Series championship. Uh, It technically is a box set, and I will admit I do not own a physical copy of it because they're very hard to find. But... uh, over the weekend, I had the opportunity to see and photograph Phil Lesh and friends. Uh, Phil is the bassist from The Grateful Dead. He's 82 years old now, I think, and still playing shows. Played three hours and 15 minutes in total with a break in the middle. Um, and just seems like such a good person every time uh, you see him. Uh, and it was just a lot of fun. Like One of the nicest concert crowds we've ever been in uh really just a a pleasant experience and and getting that chance to get up there with the camera uh, made it even that much better so if you have the opportunity to catch him playing now i still strongly recommend it and my recommendation on the album front is the complete uh fillmore west 1969 the complete recordings is the full title of it there are uh, t- 10 discs and a bonus disc, uh, but it's basically taken from a run of four shows mm-hmm. at the Fillmore West in February of 1969. Um, in particular, disc four of that set is just really my favorite recording of, uh, of the dead. Um, that's it for the other one. Dark star, St. Stephen, the 11 death don't have no mercy all strung together straight through and just uh, i i have nothing against the sort of lighter happier sounding era of the dead but this is just heavy psychedelic rock like there's no other way to put it It, that it's not metal but uh but it's it's just such a good sound um the, the actual box set had come out on CD because that's what everybody was buying at the time it was released. And uh, I think there's only 10,000 copies of it. So it can be it can be a little tough to come by. Some parts of it have been released on vinyl since then, like individual shows out of the four shows that were uh, part of this run. Uh, and then there's like a condensed version of it. Um, you know, there might be two or three discs, but... If you can find it on the internet one way or another, whether it's a purchase or a download or whatever, I very much recommend uh, the whole box set. And again, especially disc four. Uh, So uh, in a nice little bit of synergy, my pick this week is also from 1969. And it is in the most tenuous way, Grateful Dead related as well, in that 
I play in a cover band every now and then, and uh, we're gearing up for something in September. So we started uh, getting together every week and rehearsing, and uh, we play a lot of Grateful Dead stuff. That is the connection here. But we're also always looking for new songs. And so I had suggested that I want us to try to get slightly funkier, which as uh, five middle-aged white guys is not the easiest thing in the world to do uh, authentically. But so I, I am looking for you know songs that we can play that would be fun, that wouldn't be um, embarrassing to to try to funk up a little bit. And so one of the ones I suggested this week was a song that only one other person in the band had ever heard before. And I could not believe that because to me, this is a classic band and a classic album. But the rest of the band looked at me like, no, I don't know that song at all. And that is uh, Sissy Strut by The Meters. Uh, Meters are in, uh, a uh, New Orleans funk band. Uh, funk is maybe not the right word for them. I, I think that's a, a fair term for what the meters are. But um, Sissy Strut is one of those songs that's been used in 4,000 movies and TV shows and, uh, you know, uh, probably commercials over the years. Like, it's just, they are, they are just the, it is the soundtrack of so many things. And uh, the first album, which is self-titled called The Meters, is one of the great records of, of all time. One of the greatest, great funk records of all time. And um, it is, uh, let me see how the best way to describe this. All, there is not a lot of, there's a little bit of guitar solo and keyboard solos in it, but it's really just the band like locking into a riff and just doing sort of variations on that riff. It is, it is tight and it is funky and it is, um, it's just, I, I, it's, it's unlike other funk in so many ways. It is just, it is, it is like funk distilled down to its most pure form. I, for the first album, it is just organ, drums, guitar, and bass, and there are no vocals. There, are, it's just instrumental, beautiful, and goddamn makes me want to dance. It is, it is fantastic. Uh, if you don't know Sissy Strut, you might maybe have heard Live Wire that's also appeared in a couple of, of films, and their whole career is really worthwhile. But this first album is, I mean, I, I want to say though the entire record's like thirty-five minutes, and that's twelve songs. And that's, you know, every song is kind of breezes by by the end of it. Like, oh, it's our, I wish that song went on for longer. Um, but yeah, just really good New Orleans funk. It's produced by Alan Toussaint, who is, you know, a, a New Orleans legend. And uh, Art Neville of the Neville Brothers plays organ in the band. Just fantastic stuff. If you are not familiar with the meters, please rectify that. It will make your life better. And uh, yeah, so that's a double 1969 shot of music. Club Rex for, uh, music pick, you know what I mean? Yes, we, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we both meters, picked albums. Yeah, yes, the meters are great, uh, and and just the the notion of a few middle aged white guys trying to get funkier. All I could think of off the top of my head was uh, Homer and Grand Funk Railroad. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I actually so there, there's actually a woman who sings in the band sometimes and I when I mentioned getting funky she said what about some grand funk and I said that is not funky <laughs> I said funk is in their name but they are not they are not funky please don't do that to me yeah, um, right you know no I, I suggested a Dr. John song a funkadelic song and a meter song that is funky yes all all around yeah if if, if we didn't already both pick maggot brain uh I, I I'm trying to get us to play. Can you get to that from Maggot Brains? I would have picked, picked that as the uh, as the pick for this week. 
Nice. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, also ties in all of the pre-show music on the PA for Phil Lesh on uh-huh. Friday night was Funkadelic. Oh, really? Yeah, all of it. Uh, just like playing through a few albums. I, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that that is some good pre-show music for sure. The I, This is a conversation we could probably talk about for longer, but I know we should get out of here. But I was going to say, I love when the pre-show music has nothing to do really with the music that is going to be played at the show, but is music that gets you excited for the show. And Funkadelic before a Phil Les show is like the perfect, the perfect uh, combination of that. Yeah, yeah. And nothing worse than like people tailgating in a parking lot or the bar that's playing all music by the band you're about to see. Yes. When you stop for a drink before the show. Just no, don't do that. Stop it. We know. We all know who we're going to see. Exactly. Exactly. It would be different if you were playing, I guess, maybe stuff that like, you know, would never get played. Like, you know, if the band has not played a certain song in 20 years, maybe you tailgate to listen to that song. But just just expand your horizons, dude. Not you, dude. The fictional dude that we're talking about. Yes. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, go to AmazingNavenue.com for game recaps, news analysis, etc. We are getting ready for the All-Star break. We should try to do something fun for the All-Star game next week. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but we should do something fun. So let's let's work on that. Um, also follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, you can find it. Uh, please let us know if you can find the show on your podcatcher of choice. We'd be happy to get that looked into for you. Go to uh, Twitter to follow Chris at Chris McShane. I am over there as well at Brian Nizanap. And until next time, let's go Mets.